Good morning, Christ Community Church. What a blessing, what a privilege, what an honor to be with you virtually. God bless you as you continue to hear from his word in this section of the service as you continue to worship him after this. And may God bless this series as we work our way through mission and vision and core convictions. These are things that were developed by Orland Park Christian Reformed Church a couple of years ago, and I pray that God might make use of them to be worthwhile in your particular context. Today we're going to be talking about the mission. Now this mission statement is something that was uniquely crafted for the context in which I'm serving, but this is not a mission statement that is confined to one particular context. And as I talk about it, you're going to see how it is that this should be relevant to Christians across the globe. And by God's grace, I'm praying that it will be relevant right here, right today, and in this community. So let's take a look at a section of scripture I'm going to read from Romans chapter 6. And then we're going to hear this message about mission. Now, oftentimes when I preach, I'll take one section of scripture and I'll really sit there the whole time. This sermon is going to be a little bit different in that we're going to take a look first at Romans chapter 6, but this mission statement is going to take us through a bunch of the scriptures. So I guess we've got to bring our A game today as we get ready to hear of a lot of different sections of scripture. All right, Romans chapter 6 verses 12 through 14, just three verses. Let's remember as we hear this that this is God's word. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and your members to God as instruments for righteousness, for sin will not have no dominion over you since you are not under law, but under grace. Amen. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would take these words that I'm about to preach and use them for your glory and for the building up of Christ Community Church. We praise you for this fellowship of believers who looks to you and trusts you and follows you. And we pray now that as we hear about this section of mission, that you would help us to love you more, more deeply, more profoundly, more totally. We pray that if anything that I say doesn't come from you, that you'd make it fall to the ground and pass away and be forgotten. And we pray that everything that is from you would strengthen our trust in Jesus and would remain. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Today we're going to be talking about a mission statement, one that makes sense in the light of this section of Romans that I've just read. Let me read to you that mission statement very simply. The gospel of Jesus Christ compels us to worship, serve, and learn about God, and by the transforming power of the Holy Spirit to take that gospel to our community and the world. Let me read that one more time, a little quicker this time. The gospel of Jesus Christ compels us to worship, serve, and learn about God, and by the transforming power of the Holy Spirit to take that gospel to our community and to the world. Let me, in our time together, break down what it is that this statement is all about and show you how it comes from the Bible. And so we're going to start with this, the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is the good news of Jesus Christ. 
So the beginning of the statement is this, the gospel of Jesus Christ compels us. So what is the gospel? This is an important way for us to start. What is the gospel? Now, if I were to come to you and ask you this question, what is the gospel? I want you to think for just a second, how would you answer? How would you answer that? What is the gospel? Now, if you're anything like me, for much of your life, you've heard the phrase gospel and you've thought about the phrase gospel. It may be, however, if you are like me, that the first time somebody comes and asks you what it is, you have a hard time articulating it. That was the case for me. I remember I was in college and one of my friends came to me and said, what's the gospel? And I thought for a second and I was like, well, I, and I just stumbled over my words because it's one of those words that I'd used for my whole life. I believed the gospel, I believed in Jesus, but I had a hard time articulating what the gospel is, at least in a succinct way. So how would you answer, what is the gospel? Well, some people would respond with, with God saves sinners. I think that's a great way to put the gospel. Some people would put the gospel in terms like, like this, the mystery of the faith. It would be Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. That is a great way to put the gospel. Some people would describe it in terms of John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. It's a beautiful way to describe the gospel. One of my favorite verses to understand what the gospel is is contained in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Let me read the six verses that made it up. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you. That's verse 1 of 1 Corinthians 15. And so Paul is saying, hey, let me remind you of the gospel. Which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and after that he appeared to Cephas and then to the Twelve, and then he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Do you see what Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, describes the gospel as to the Corinthian Christians, the ones that he's writing to? He says that the gospel is that Jesus died just like the Scriptures said that he would. That Jesus was buried, just like the scriptures said that he would. That he was raised on the third day, just like the scriptures had promised. Here is the point. That the gospel, the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ, is that God is the one who is doing the saving. Anytime anyone wants to ask you, and anytime you are prepared to give an answer about what the gospel is, it should always be with God-active language about the fact that God is doing something, that God is affecting salvation. God is saving. This is what the gospel message is. Sometimes people will get this kind of confused. I mean, I've heard people say that the gospel message is love God, love neighbor. Now, that's the first and the greatest commandment. And that's the second commandment. But that's a summary of the law. It's a beautiful summary of the law that the Lord Jesus gives. But it's a summary of the law. It's not a summary of the gospel. What motivates us as gospel people is the saving work of God from the very beginning to the very end. We as a church, in humility, acknowledge that we are a group of people that need to be saved and that Jesus has saved, that we are great sinners, 
But Christ is a great Savior. This is the gospel. And this is the motivation for all things. The gospel of Jesus Christ compels us to, and this is the logic of the passage this morning that we just read, you have been saved, therefore act like you've been saved, right? You've been saved, therefore act like you've been saved. This is the logic of the passage from Romans chapter 6 that we just read. Let me read it briefly again for us. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. You see what it's saying there? All right, you've been brought from death to life. Now act like you've been brought from death to life. This is the logic of the scriptures. You've been saved, therefore act like saved people. Be who you are. Don't for a minute allow the world or the flesh, or the devil, to try to define who it is that you are. You are the redeemed of God, dearly loved by the Father, saved by the Son, precious in the sight of God. You're redeemed. You're holy. You're righteous. You're pure because of the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, act like holy and righteous and pure people. This is a key to the Christian life. Be who you are. Develop a deeper and a bigger vision of who God is, of the saving work of God in Christ Jesus. This is why we live Christian lives, because we are the redeemed. And for a, for a Christ-preaching, Christ-believing church, the core of your identity is the redeemed of the Lord Jesus Christ, and as the redeemed, you live like you're redeemed. And so, therefore, it's the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ that compels us to live a particular way. And, and we want to highlight three things this morning that come from this vision statement. The gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, being that which is determinative in your life, compels us to first worship. Worship. This is the goal of every human life, to worship. And this is the thrust of the scriptures. I want you to hear these words from Psalm 86, verses 8 and following. There is none like you among the gods, O Lord, nor there are any works like yours. All the nations you have made shall come and shall worship before you, O Lord, and shall glorify your name. And then hear these words fulfilled in Revelation chapter 5, verse 11 and following. Then I looked... And I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders the voice of many angels numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that's in them saying, to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said amen and the elders fell down and worshipped. If you're a Christian, you must be a worshiper. The whole goal of your life 
The purpose of your life is to glorify God forever. To know God and to glory in knowing him forever. This is your purpose. Every single one of us who is here today, every single one of us who is watching, even if you're not so sure about this Christianity thing, you were made for a purpose, and that purpose was worship. And your heart is going to be restless until you find rest in the Lord Jesus Christ, until you start returning praise to Him, until you give back your breath to the one who has given you breath. You were made for a purpose, and that purpose is to worship, and you will find yourself worshiping other things if you're not worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ. We're a worshiping people made for that purpose, and a Christian worships God. There's no other option for us who are in Christ Jesus. We're a worshiping people. And as we come together to worship, we learn to glorify God more. We learn to enjoy Him more. The gospel of Jesus compels us to worship, and the gospel compels us to serve. This is the second thing that is referred to here in the mission statement, and here again the Bible is clear about why it is that we serve. Galatians chapter 5 verse 13 makes this crystal clear for us. Let me read to us from Galatians chapter 5, 13 and following. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. You've been set free. You've been redeemed from slavery by Christ and His grace alone, and you've been called to freedom. So how should you use that freedom? You should use it to serve, but through love, serve one another is what the end of that verse says. You use that freedom to serve. This came home to me once. I was a, I was a, a high school student. And my parents were good parents. And one of the things that they did was sometimes they would think through ways that we could be serving people. So one Thanksgiving, I remember, was very formative. Instead of us celebrating a Thanksgiving dinner as a family, instead of us gathering with a broader family, that's good to do, but this particular Thanksgiving, we decided we were going to do something different. We went to the Milwaukee Rescue Mission, downtown Milwaukee. It's a place I ended up working and serving at for a while. It's a wonderful, wonderful Christian ministry to homeless men and women and children. And that particular Thanksgiving, what we did was we gave, uh, we gave up our day to serve the home, some of the homeless population in Milwaukee a Thanksgiving dinner. It had been well prepared by the chefs of the Milwaukee Rescue Mission. It was a beautiful meal. And we served. And we served with one other family. We each had a different role. I think I got to scoop the potatoes. And there was a family that was serving there just right next to us. And after we finished serving, we got to eat together and we talked to them. And the, uh, the wife and the mother and the family told us, you know, we just love to serve. We love to serve. We love to serve so much that, that a couple years ago, we decided that we were going to sell our home and move into a smaller home so that we would have more money to give to other people. And we decided that we moved into a smaller home so that we had to spend less time cleaning and we could spend more time serving. And they decided that they were going to reorient their entire life around serving because of what God had done for them. That's a beautiful example to me, one that continues to stick with me. Those who are redeemed by the Lord Jesus Christ serve. And if you are somebody that knows Jesus, you're called to worship and you're called to serve. Now, there are many ways that one person or another might be called to serve. 
One of the things that is important for you to do today is for you to consider ways that you might be able to serve within the context of Christ Community Church. How is it that you can give of your time and your energy and your, and your thoughts and your prayers to the congregation? Maybe it's just by determining that you're going to pray every day for someone within the congregation. Maybe you're going to find out about the needs and, and pray for that person. That's a wonderful way to serve. I'm not particularly acquainted with all the needs of the congregation at this very moment. And one of the challenges is that COVID has really thrown everything up in the air, but I know that there are ways that we are called to serve. And one of the things that, that you and I should do today is to spend time thinking, how is it that within the Christ Community Church community, how is it that I can use my mind and my heart and my energy to serve? How can I serve? Because a Christian is called to serve, and a Christian is called to learn. The gospel of Jesus Christ compels us to worship, serve, and learn. And here, let me direct our attention to the Bible once again. I'm going to read from 2 Peter 1, 3 to 8. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that's in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice again the logic of this passage. He has given us Everything. God has given us everything. His divine power has granted to us all things. He's given you everything. There is nothing left to give. He's given us precious promises. We become partakers of the divine nature. And given all of the blessings that have been secured for us by the Lord Jesus. Given that we have been saved already, we are called to add to our faith virtue and knowledge, and self-control, and steadfastness, and godliness, and brotherly affection, and love. Notice for a moment especially knowledge. Those who love the Lord God come to know him. Now, you know that this is the case. If you love somebody, you get to know that person, right? If you love somebody, you get to know them. Now, imagine, imagine you were somebody that's like, you know what? I love my wife. I love her dearly. And then somebody said, well, when's her birthday? Like, I mean, I don't know that. I'm not sure about that, but I, oh, do I love her. I love her so much. Well, what are her favorite things to do? Oh, man, I, I'm not really sure about that, but oh, I, I just feel so much for her. Well, what are, you know, what are the things that she loves? I don't know. Let's not mess up. I don't want to know about her. I just want to love her. I just want to feel for her. That would be ridiculous, right? If you love somebody, you get to know them. And so this is the truth in the Christian life as well. If you love God, you will get to know more about God. And that means that you will read scripture. That means that you will pray. That means that you'll come to church. We're in this time of pandemic that you'll engage with church from your home. You'll find ways to still engage, even though you're watching the service through the live stream. 
It means that you'll study him. It means that you will grow in your theological depth. If you love God, you will come to know him better. Here's the way that the mission statement ends. It starts this way. The gospel of Jesus Christ compels us to worship, serve, and learn about God, and by the transforming power of the Holy Spirit, to take that gospel to our community and to the world. Now, this section is just basically stolen from Acts chapter 1. Let me read to you Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through 11. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. The one who is transformed by the Holy Spirit is fruitful and becomes a witness for the Lord. This is the case in the the book of Acts. The disciples, at first very afraid, are filled with the Holy Spirit and then become powerful witnesses to the Lord Jesus Christ. First in Jerusalem, then Judea, then Samaria, and then to the very ends of the earth. Those who are filled by the power of the Spirit become a witness to the Lord God. Now this can be a challenge for us. Sometimes we're more captive to politeness than we are to God. I mean, all of you polite people who are here right now, who are watching right now, all of you polite people know that it is impolite to talk about two things in polite conversation, right? Religion and politics. And so if you want to be polite, you know, shy away from talking about Jesus so much. And sometimes we become super captive to that. I was listening to a podcast recently, and there was a mailbag near the end of the podcast, and one listener wrote in and said this, and it, it hit me so hard that I just went back and I wrote it down. This is what the listener said. A close friend of mine was on his deathbed. He's always been kind, but he's never been a Christian. I thought it imperative that I go share my faith with him before he died. But when I was sitting with him, I lost my nerve and didn't say anything. The next day he died. The writer of this particular question that went to the host of this show, the writer expressed some deep pain. And I felt for her because I know that feeling. I'm somebody that likes to be polite. And politeness is fine insofar as it goes. And it can be considered deeply impolite to talk about religion with others. But the world needs to know. The world needs to know. And so I would like to give you a challenge today as we conclude our time together. Pray today that the Holy Spirit would give you opportunity to be a witness. Think about, in your own life, people that you know and care about who don't know the Lord and start praying that God would save them and pray that you would have opportunity to talk to them and tell them about Jesus. Pray that you would be a witness 
and determine that you are going to be more captive to God and to his ways and to the Holy Spirit than you are to politeness or polite society. Determine today that God is going to use you as a witness and pray to that end. Now, this may require developing a plan. How is it that I'm going to pray? Am I going to invite others into this so that I can pray for them and and tell others about the gospel? Develop that plan. Start praying and start working to this end because the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, and it does call us to worship. It does call us to serve. It does call us to learn about God, but then not keep that to ourselves, but to tell the world about it. So let's start today being witnesses to the glorious gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, We thank you for how your gospel motivates us. And we pray that you might make us to be a people that worship you, that serve you and serve others, that learn more about you. And we pray that we would not keep this gospel to ourselves, but that we would be your witnesses. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.